This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. This is Richard Ingebrigtsen from the University of Utah School of Medicine in Salt Lake City, Utah in the United States of America. The reason I mention that is uh, those of you who have been to the western United States know that it's very mountainous. The Rocky Mountains extend all the way from northern Canada, and the mountains go all the way down through South America. But uh, Salt Lake City has very tall mountains uh, around it, and thus we have winter sports. And that's what we're talking about today, specifically snowboarding. Snowboarding is a new sport. Skiing, on the other hand, is an ancient sport. Skiing, they uh, can see it going back uh, millennia, five millennia, four or 5,000 years, there's evidence of skiing, modern skiing started in Scandinavia, primarily in Norway, around uh, Telemark, uh, not that long ago. Uh, but skiing has been around. But snowboarding uh, is not from Scandinavia. Uh, snowboarding is not ancient. Snowboarding is new. And it is very much uh, uniquely a sport that originated in the United States and the state of Michigan, of all places. Now, when you think about Michigan, you don't think of downhill skiing. Uh, you think of winter sports because it's a, a long Uh, winter up there, but it all started uh, with a man by the name of Sherman Poppin in 1965, who was an engineer that invented a toy for his daughters, and uh, he put some skis together and let them start, and he called it snurfing, and uh, the the snurfer uh, was the uh, the combination of a a skier and snow and surfing. It uh, took off. Uh, It uh, within uh, a year, half a million of those things had uh, take, uh, been sold, and it took off. And then uh, around the United States, but primarily in Michigan, other organizers began to develop uh, different kinds of things. The, the name slowly uh, transformed into snowboarding, and uh, through the 1970s, uh, that kind of thing uh, just took off. In uh, my city of Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, was a, a big a part of that early on as they started to make those uh, uh, snowboards in the 70s and 80s. Uh, the company called Winterstick here in Salt Lake City uh, took off with snowboarding, and it it grew very, uh, very, very, very uh, quickly. Um, the uh, in Vermont in the 1980s, the the USA National Snowboard Race was invented in uh, 1985. It moved over to Austria. And um, in 1990, the International Snowboard Federation was founded to provide uni- uh, universal uh, contest regulations. And then it was in 1998 that the Winter Olympic Games in Nagano, J- uh, Japan, uh, started using it. And it was uh, somewhere in the early 2000s. There was almost 7 million uh, active participants uh, around the world. Uh, and the uh, idea that a 12-year-old on a snowboard could outride a, a, a talented skier who was an adult. And in, by, two, uh, by 2010 or so, there were close to 8 or 9 million snowboarders increasing every year. Uh, and then finally, uh, in uh, 2012, the International Paralympic Committee announced that they were going to include it uh, in their uh their platform of uh, the Olympics. And so snowboarding was taken off. And it just continues to grow uh, continuously. There's different kinds, just like in skiing, there's different kinds of snowboarding. 
uh, and those who are listening and know about it, there's jibbing, there's uh, the freestyle, the free riding. There's a lot of what's called alpine snowboarding as well. And uh, uh, then there's the slope style. And the big one that came off lately was the big air where the snowboarders would jump into the air and then the very famous half pipe where uh, this became a big competition and a beautiful thing to watch in the Olympics as these uh, people jump uh, incredibly uh, high into the air. And now, of course, there's the uh, snowboard uh, racing. There is an interesting culture uh, and various stereotypes uh, to the snowboarding. Uh, 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 they call them stoners or punk, uh, lazy. <laughs> there's a lot of things out there, and there's been this um, sort of this uh, battle between skiers and snowboarders through the years. Uh, and that is it's starting to go away now, though. But still, some slopes around the world in the United States will ban snowboarders. Uh, uh, and, for example, uh, in the areas around Salt Lake City, Alton, Deer Valley, don't allow them. Mad River Glen uh, is another one in North America, famous ski resorts. And that may change as time goes on. Uh, but it's growing, and it's a fun sport, and it's fun to watch, and it's uh, exciting. Um, in in this podcast, what we're interested in is uh, injuries and how to prepare uh, people for snowboarding and making sure that they are healthy and how to manage common injuries with that. Uh, uh, they are, depends upon the group and the person, but the most, uh, truly the most common type of injury for snowboarders is to the upper body. And one of the things that you have to know about that is if uh, you stand on a snowboard, uh, it's different than standing on skis. Uh, you uh, can go either forward when you fall or backward. And either way, you put, your <clears throat> you put your hands and arms out to try and stop you. So that means that the wrist and the arms, particularly the wrists, are some of the most common injuries, if not the most common injury in all of s- snowboarding. Um, and, and the faster, the more professional, then you get more injuries to the lower half, particularly the knee joint. <clears throat> but we call them... Um, a, uh, the toe side fall when you fall forward and the heel side fall when you uh, fall uh, backwards. So this means that the wrist injuries, uh, shoulder soft tissue injuries, ankle injuries, of course concussions, clavicles are very common in this. So if you are uh, out on the slopes and you are a snowboarder or a skier or you're up there, whether you're an actual medical professional on any level or if you're just out there, you need to start realizing that these are uh, Uh, going to happen. Um, uh, Most injuries to snowboarding, the data shows, occurs uh, when you're traveling at uh, reckless speeds. And that's true of uh, skiing also. Uh, And another way that happens is uh, uh, snowboarders uh, who are less experienced uh, will try to uh, keep up at the same level with people that are at a higher snowboarding level. And they're not capable of handling the, the turns and the jumps, and then they get injured. Some major injuries that occur during snowboarding of that kind get to be more critical, like head injuries and uh, spine uh, injuries. Uh, really, the major cause of spine injuries is the, champ, the jump landing failure and the compression uh, fractures. And this ends up being about 80% uh, percent of snowboarders with vertebral fractures because they frequently fall backwards rather than forwards. And this can cause axial loading and then anterior compression fractures of the neck. Injuries to the upper body are much less common among professional snowboarders, interestingly enough, 
Most professionals and elite snowboarders frequently sustain injuries when trying to, to do things like execute challenging tricks at high speeds and increased levels, uh, 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 and then that forces injuries to the lower limbs. What this means is that, uh, like all winter sports, snowboarding comes with a certain level of risk. Uh, if you look across the demographics around the world, the average snowboarder is a male in the early uh, 20s. And there are three times as many men as there are women in the sport. Snowboarders have approximately a 2.4 times greater risk of fractures than skiers, and that's particularly noted in the upper extremities. Uh, snowboarders have a lower risk of knee injuries than skiers. The injury rate for snowboarding is about 4 to 6 per thousand persons per day, which is around double the injury rate for uh, what we see in uh, alpine skiing. Uh, injuries are more likely amongst beginners, especially those who do not take lessons with professional instructors. A quarter of all injuries occur to first-time riders, and half of all injuries occur to those with less than a year of experience. Two-thirds of injuries generally are uh, in the upper body and one-third in the lower body. This is contrast with alpine skiing, where two-thirds of injuries are to the lower body, mostly the knees, and the common injury types are sprains, which account for all, about 40% of all injuries. The most common point of injury is the wrist. And when you look at the data on that, it's about 40% of all snowboard injuries are to the wrist, and 24% of all snowboard injuries are wrist fractures. In fact, uh, worldwide, there are about 100,000 wrist fractures worldwide among snowboarders each year. For this reason, the use of wrist guards, either separate or those that are built into the, into the gloves is very strongly recommended. Uh, and there's uh, good data to support uh, using wrist guards. Uh, they are often compulsory in beginners' classes, and their use reduces the likelihood of a wrist injury by about one half. In addition, it is important for snowboarders to learn how to fall without stopping the fall with their hands by trying to push the slope away as landing a wrist which is bent at a 90-degree angle will increase the chance of its breaking. Landing with the arms stretched out like a wing and uh, slapping the slope of the entire arm is an effective way to break a fall. This is taught in uh, beginner classes, and if uh, you have new uh, snowboarders, a uh, class is very useful. This is a method that is used by practitioners, say, of judo and other martial arts to break a fall uh, when they're thrown against the ground. The, uh, the risk of a head injury is about two to six times greater for snowboarders than for skiers. And injuries follow the pattern of being rare and more severe with experienced riders. Head injuries can occur both. Uh, we see it as a consequence of a collision and when falling, uh, carrying out what's called the heel side turn, uh, which uh, can result in the rider landing on his or her back and slamming the back of his or her head onto the ground, resulting in an occipital injury. For this reason, and absolutely, helmets are required. Uh, we often say recommended. But the first thing you do to prepare for the slopes and the first thing you do when you go snowboarding is put on a helmet. You need to wear a helmet. There is just no debate about that. And uh, uh, people who don't wear helmets uh, need to be cautioned and encouraged to do so. Protective eyewear is good not only for eye injury but for the uveitis that you get from the snow. And you need to wear eye guards that uh, cover the side of the eyes as well. And they need to absorb ultraviolet goggles even on hazy and cloudy days because of the uveitis and the propensity for varying, uh, for uh, creating uh, problems to the retina of the back of the eye uh, uh, and uh, should be done. 
Uh, what's a big difference between skiing and snowboarding is unlike ski bindings, snowboard bindings are not designed to release automatically in a fall. The mechanical support provided by the feet being locked to the board has the effect of reducing the likelihood of a knee injury. However, 15% of snowboard injuries are to the knee compared with 45% of all skiing injuries. These injuries are typically to the knee ligaments. Bone fractures in snowboarding uh, are rare uh, in the knees. Fractures to the lower legs are also rare, but 20% of injuries are to the foot and ankles. Fractures of the talus bone are very rare in sports. Sport but account for 2% of snowboard injuries, which is higher. A lateral process tailor fracture is sometimes called a snowboarder's ankle by the medical people. This injury results in sort of this persistent lateral pain in the affected ankle, and it's difficult to spot in a plain x-ray image. And it may be dis, uh, dic, uh, misdiagnosed as a sprain uh, with possibly serious consequences as not treating the fracture can result in serious long-term damage to the ankle. The use of portable ultrasound uh, for mountainside diagnostics has been reviewed and appears to be a plausible tool for diagnosing some of the common injuries associated uh, with the sport. Uh, the other thing um, that happens is uh, snowboarding injuries uh, uh, take uh, uh, have a lot to do with waiting in ski lines or entering and exiting, exiting the ski uh, lifts. Uh, they push themselves forward with a free foot while uh, in the ski live, leaving the other foot, usually that of the uh, lead lead leg, uh, locked on the board at, say, about a 25% degree angle. That puts a lot of torque on that leg and predisposes the person to knee injury if a fall occurs. Uh, avalanches on the ski slopes don't need to be mentioned. Uh, it is best to learn the different kinds of avalanches and how to prevent one. And again, we have uh, podcasts on avalanches, but also, going out in the snow for all who participate in activity increases the chances of injury. And so taking an avalanche safety course anywhere you go out is really encouraged. Uh, and they're uh, all around the world, and uh, you should uh, be uh, really careful of that one. So uh, the boots that fit in uh, snowboarding are different than ski boots. They should be well-footed with the toes snug at the end of the boot when standing upright and slightly away from the end in a snowboard position. Padding or armor is recommended in other parts of the body as hips, knees, buttocks, spine, and shoulders. Uh, there are uh, pants that have uh, padding in them to help if you fall backwards. Those are also encouraged to help avoid injury to body parts and particularly the needs. It's recommended to use the right technique. To acquire right technique, one should be taught by a qualified instructor. Also, in snowboarding uh, alone, precautions should be taken to avoid tree wells. Now, we have a podcast that's called These Things Suck on Tree Wells, but tree wells are, uh, as, as skiers and snowboarders, love to go particularly to uh, uh, near a tree. Uh, the snow does not land underneath the tree, and the loose snow will suck people into a tree well, and that becomes very, very scary. Um, the, uh, you need to be careful with snowboards and how you wax the board. Uh, there, there can be toxic fumes if you use fluorocarbon waxes, if they're overheated. So wax, waxing is best performed in a ventilated area, and there have been cases around the world where people who have had uh, problems with that. So in a recent study that was conducted to examine the types of snowboarding injuries and changes in injury patterns over time, data was collected on injured snowboarders and skiers uh, and in the, in the Vermont area over 18 seasons, concluding in 2006, 
and that included extensive information about injury pattern, demographics, and skiing. I think one of the main conclusions of that study was that the highest rate of injury was among young, inexperienced snowboarders. Injury rates in snowboarders have fluctuated over time, but still remain higher uh, than skiers. And so that uh, begs uh, uh, letting people know that they um, uh, a study and uh, go to classes and get an experienced instructor uh, before going out and snowboarding. Always wear your helmet. If there's one thing that can be said here, that's the most risk guards uh, and making sure that you have uh, good equipment and uh, great experience when you learn. These are the things that you can do and help others uh, as you uh, prepare to go snowboarding in this very rapidly expanding and great sport. This ends the podcast on snowboarding. And as always, we say thank you for listening. Thank you.